Hello, in the beginning there was a big bang which led me to the creation of brief history of time. Now from beyond the grave. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-
you know, we, we have to go out for the these walks. Because I, I'm cooped up most of the time, I, every time I step outside, I feel like I'm going to burst into a pile of ash. <laughs> it's just so weird and, and surreal. Yeah, but very financially rewarding. People are going for a lot more bike ride. Yes. Especially in, in the big cities. They they want to get out of their, their little coops. They want to stretch their legs, but sometimes they want to do it in style so i got a lovely phone call from my brother who has sold three bikes on gumtree oh wow my mountain bike has been sitting in my parents garage for about 14 years <laughs> actually my mountain bike was, it was in really good nick because i only ever rode it for a period of maybe about three months i used to ride a bike to work but then I moved house and I no longer required the bikes and I didn't have the I didn't actually have the space for it. So took up permanent residence in my parents' garage. Uh-huh. And uh, I said garage like a some sort of accent there. <laughs> I was gonna call you out on that actually in your garage. Yeah. In your garage. <laughs> in my garage. <laughs> I don't know why I said garage. <laughs> Strange man. In the garage. My brother phoned me up and he said, look, I've just sold three bikes. They're going like hotcakes. Do you want me to see what I can get for your bike? Now, 14 years ago, my bike was £700. And to be sitting gathering kind of dust, really, I thought, I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to bring through to Sterling. I don't have the room for it. As it is, the shed that the bikes are kept in, that's where my girls' bikes are. And because they, they get bigger, their bikes get bigger. I'm not going to be able to fit three bikes in. And I said, yeah. Go for it. He sold it for £250. Not bad. He sold it within 24 hours. Jeez, that's really good. That's really good. I'm going to put that towards a new tattoo. And nice. one thing that I kind of invested in probably about, about three, three years ago was the Lego Firehouse from Ghostbusters. Brilliant. Now, I paid £140 for that. And obviously people are wanting stuff to do during lockdown. Yep. Currently, the firehouse is selling for anything between 350 and £600. Hell's horses. I'm currently watching a sale of a firehouse at the moment. It started out, the bid started out at 165 They're currently sitting at 240 Not bad. Now, we built the firehouse. We really enjoyed our time with it. But do you know what? I think that we're going to get rid of it. Yeah. It's clearly been discontinued and mm-hmm. people are wanting projects. So watch this space. Any listeners want a, a firehouse from Lego Ghostbusters? I'm going to be selling mine, yeah. My investments are, are really quite rewarding at this moment in time. When the tattoo shops do reopen, I will be adding to my collection. Brilliant. Oh, that's really, really cool. I'm finding that I'm actually saving anywhere between 150 and 200 pound a month not putting fuel in the car because the car literally gets used to drive five minutes into town to do the shop and then home again and that's literally it the car's been above half a tank since march yeah on top of not going out or well you know not not going anywhere distance wise and spending money and stuff like that it's 
Yeah, um, which is good. I mean, I've, I read an interesting article, and I'll, I won't go on about this, but an interesting article on the Art of Manliness website about being something called anti-fragile. It's not quite the same as being resilient. Being anti-fragile is like the next step up, and it's all about developing yourself after going through an uncomfortable or stressful situation. And that happened quite a few years ago, I don't mind saying, when I was briefly unemployed, and you know, I don't like being unemployed and been worrying about money and stuff like that. I've made it an active point never to leave any form of employment without having something else lined up or being extra careful about, yeah, you know, just being extra careful about good that I've made it through the interview and I have the job offer, but do I actually want said job? Anyway, one of the things that the article said was it's never a bad idea that if you somehow have a little bit of extra money just to put it away for like a rainy day and it's probably a good idea because especially with the way things are with the lockdown it's never a bad idea to have just a little bit extra and you know things with like your car can always happen out of the blue and you don't want to get slapped with a 300 400 pound bill to get the car seen to so anything that i'm able to kind of put away putting away and i feel a little bit better as well just kind of knowing that there's a a wee bit of money as well so a very good plan you must feel so grown up i do and uh probably about time i'm in my late 20s so you know <laughs> i should probably start feeling like a grown-up i don't really look like one but i'm getting i'm becoming one regardless well look at, at 40 i i'm not grown up <laughs> i may have the appearance of a, of a 40 year old but i certainly have the demeanor of an eight-year-old <laughs> as long as you can occasionally feel a little grown up put some savings away be sensible of course yeah great idea but still do the silly stuff as well i got pranked mm. yesterday by my daughter and i just sat and laughed for about five minutes uh, she cleared the table off plates and everything like that after dinner and i was involved in a very kind of in-depth conversation with my wife and unbeknownst to me emily had filled up a shot glass filled with water and she walked up to me and went, here you go, piss face, and threw the water all over me. And I got completely drenched and I just went, okay, that was very, very funny. And I just burst out <laughs> laughing. We like to do silly things like that, play pranks on each other and have scaring competitions and things like that. So it's not, it's not every day your daughter calls you piss face and throws water at you. No, that's it's quite a good one. Um, I was gonna, I'll make, maybe make the suggestion to her if she ever listens to this. What she should do is do the same thing again, but actually try and if you have any vodka in the house, just put it next to the shot glass filled with water. Wait until either you or your wife's watching, and then, you know, shot it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Because I, I freaked my dad out years ago. I used to go to. Millport that was kind of like where I went on holiday when I was younger had a joke shop slash bike shop and I got one of those fake cigarettes that you kind of blow into and it puffs out the fake smoke and it's like powder yeah yeah a little bit oh it was it was great and uh, I went to the shop spent what little holiday money that I put together got that and I went back to the sort of flat we were staying in where, where my dad was you know, outside enjoying the sun, um, and I went back with a cigarette in my mouth, and the, the expression on his face, I've never seen rage and confusion perfectly 50-50% in someone's expression, and, and I had I had to, like, like, I had had my fun, but I had to, like, explain myself, like, really, really quickly, like, no, 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 it's a joke, it's a joke, it's fine, like, see. Before your plan completely backfired, and, and he took out an entire packet of cigarettes, you're going to smoke this entire pack, boy, and Every you're going to learn one. what the 
what it feels like, so you'll never do it again. I don't know if he sounds like that, but <laughs> let's first let's say for argument's sake that yes, yes he does. Why don't we see ghosts every day? The truth is, ghosts are around us all the time. But most hauntings are so small, they go unnoticed. For example, a pen, a pen lid, a gravel, a trap sound, a child's ball, or balls, a wheeled bin. We have our next film. Mm -hmm. Last week, we... we introduced it briefly i mean all i can really say is when there's something strange in your neighborhood <laughs> who are you gonna call rose dooley <laughs> and that actually fits as well brilliant we have extraordinary not extraordinary mm -mm. two separate words yep. came out 2019 extraordinary written and directed by Fe uh, first time feature film uh, writers and directors Mike Ahern and Edna Lowman these are two Irish uh, writers and directors that have been making short films for a few years now notably they had The Hatch and Mr Foley and from those films they were able to secure funding via the, the Irish lottery and also via Belgium funding as well and they were able to make their debut film, which we have this kind of minimal budget film. It's comedy, it's a fantasy, it's a horror, it's supernatural. It's, above all else, I would actually say this is a buddy movie because you've got mm -hmm. fantastic two central characters. So I'm going to go straight in with the synopsis. We're dealing with an extraordinary a reluctant ghostbuster called Rose Dooley. She is mostly sweet. She's also lonely and she's a driving instructor. She must use her supernatural talents to save the daughter of the fantastically named Martin Martin, who is also sweet and also lonely, from a washed up rock star who is using her in a satanic pack to reignite his fame. At the same time, Martin is also being haunted by his possessive and violent ex-wife, Bonnie. Martin? Oh, nothing. I uh, hit it off a door. It was Mum again, wasn't it? No. <laughs> no. Don't no. lie, I can tell. Your nose kind of twitches. You're the world's worst liar. I, I push her buttons. <laughs> Why are you still here, Mom? What do you want? What's wrong with you, Terry? Sarah? We can't go on like this. If you're too scared to do something, then I'm going to call someone. Who are you going to call? Rose Dooley, that psychic driving instructor or whatever. Rose Dooley? That family is mad. You know her? No, but I used to see her father on the telly. A crazy fella, going around with this, talking to ghosts. <laughs> Right. Crazy father talks to ghosts. Look at Sarah. I don't know what I'm doing half the time. Right? Your, your mom is the only thing stopping me from messing this all up. Dad. What if I do it wrong and you end up some sort of a homeless sex maniac sleeping on the streets, snorting hash? Jesus, Dad. If you're not going to call her or do something, I'm moving out. 
Hello, is this Rose's driving school? My name is Martin. Martin, Martin. Bonnie is so possessive over Martin, she makes him wear the same shirt day in, day out. She will not let him put on weight by eating donuts. If he loads the dishwasher incorrectly, she will use her ability as a ghost to eject said item from the dishwasher to let Martin Martin know that he has done wrong. Martin Martin is in desperate need of an ex wiferism <laughs> did you see what i did there yep oh man it's it, to be honest even the synopsis alone like I, I i went looking for it again on netflix after you suggested this and i realized i'd already put it in my list because it was already I, in your list it was already in my list and i just hadn't gotten around to watching it because the synopsis alone it just seems so funny that just a driving instructor is able to speak to spirits it's i don't know it's just a really funny random kind of out of nowhere you know it's just comical just a collection of ideas and i just thought of that alone yeah yeah it's like oh that's that sounds really funny and i, th I can't remember if i watched the trailer but yeah it was already in my list uh, when i went looking for it when when uh, laura and i watched it and uh yeah we we thoroughly enjoyed it we, th we thought it was really really funny really good i absolutely loved it i mean it's very surreal as well you've got this dry kind of deadpan humor i mean we all know that traditionally in Ireland, they tend to actually deal with death very well. If you ever go to a funeral in Ireland, they won't call it a funeral, they'll call it a wake. And a wake is a celebration of life. There's nothing morbid at a wake. I actually try and use that Irish method. If someone I know passes away, one of the first things I do is I actually take a shot of something and I toast their health. I really like the idea that we celebrate someone's life. Now, we have the Irish dealing with the supernatural because when the dead now don't leave, who are we going to get? We, we get a driving instructor. It's just a great, simple idea. That's fantastic, Martin. I would say that you were nearly ready for your test. I passed my test 17 years ago. What? Rose, I haven't been honest with you. You did want to end your juice? No, I, I didn't really come to you for a driving lesson. Oh my god, you're an external examiner. Let me just say, that thing about the mirrors, I was only messing, no, you do need to use them. I was going to just do a lesson and then pretend to my daughter that I had asked you for help and then you would say Wait, no. ask me for help? With what? With my wife. Oh, your wife? She can't drive, is it? No, my deceased wife. Oh, I knew this was going too well. <clears throat> um, I'm a driving instructor and you are perfectly capable of driving, so please exit my vehicle. Thank you. I knew this whole thing was a bad idea. I'm sorry. I'm... 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 <sighs> Brian, did your wife do that to your face? It's just a... Uh, yeah, it's just a bump. Bonnie said it'd be... If I put some frozen peas on it, it'd Wait, be you fine. can hear her when she speaks? Yeah, why? Never mind. It's just you, you're so nice to talk to you. You seem like such a warm person. You seem really nice as well. And may well, maybe you could have a chat with my wife, you know, woman to woman, use her gift and just to, just to no. find out what's up with her. Mm -mm. I don't use my talents anymore. I swore I would never again. They're too dangerous. Well, then maybe with my daughter Sarah, then tell her, tell her this ghost stuff is normal. I said no. Everything gets turned on its head. Christian 
Winter, who is the failed rock star who is now trying to do a ritual sacrifice in order to get his career on path. I mean, that sounds as ludicrous as the fact that you've got this driving instructor that can see the dead, can communicate with the supernatural. I actually wonder if Sam Smith's pop career is maybe due to some ritual sacrifice that he did, because that's the only explanation I can think of for him and also how he gets his voice high-pitched as well <laughs> there's no doubt that ireland has its fair share of musicians but there are also many who have moved here from abroad and now call ireland home and i sang la 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 What was it about Ireland that made you want to move here 20 years ago? I was seeking solitude. Ireland is steeped in poetic, mystical magic. The people are uh, a simple people. Yes. Yeah, and all the tax exemptions, of course. Few songs in rock history had such instant success. Christian shot from anonymity to mega stardom, practically overnight. But that was it. A one-hit wonder, Christian's success was short-lived. None of his subsequent records even made it to the charts. Yes, everyone does call him one-hit winter and laughs at him, etc. But this new album is going to really turn things around, and in a couple of weeks, we won't have to live in this shit. Uh, this is my comeback. They say the, the devil is in the details. And with this album, all the details are just right. We're dealing with a film that, box office, not relatively high. It's a very low-budget film, as it is. The biggest star you have in it is Will Fort, who plays Christian Winter. The box office came in uh, just under 224,000. It premiered and got most attention at the South by Southwest Texas Film Festival. And that is where it got picked up by Netflix. And that's how I got introduced to it because it was, it was trending on Netflix. It was in the top 10 most watched films, I think about four weeks ago. And when you click on it, you just immediately are introduced to this sweet yet surreal and funny looking film. I had to click on it and I was so pleasantly surprised when I did. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie, thoroughly enjoyed it. What did you think of the kind of the cast? Because we're not we're not dealing with names. We we've now done two podcasts where we are dealing with phenomenal ensemble casts. We don't have that in this film. People might be recognisable, but what do you think of the cast? Personally, I think the performance performances by everyone was pretty spot on uh, very believable characters very believable different characters i don't know it just goes to show that i mean don't get me wrong people who have made a name for themselves in acting or maybe any any way they've made a name for themselves is hopefully been done by putting in the effort putting in the work and giving a good performance but um, even though i hadn't really heard of uh, is it Maeve Maeve higgins that played rose Maeve higgins yeah super funny 
like really really funny and i mean i've never never seen her in uh, really anything else and barry ward who played martin martin again he has been in a couple of things of i think mostly tv based i think uh, save me and britannia and silent witness and stuff he'd he'd been in those but just really funny but when the film needs to become maybe a little bit more endearing and a little a little bit more serious for a little while everyone does a really good job everyone expresses sympathy concern because there's a fair bit of concern that you know rose isn't i don't know maybe she's just in a bit of a rut she's not dealing with something which obviously we find out that she she has her own problems and her own fears that she hasn't kind of dealt with i'm really sorry for murdering you daddy you stop, will ya? You don't murder any spies, you take me an accident. What do they call it when you kill your father anyway? Dad slaughter. I'm really sorry for slaughtering you, Daddy. You know, so is Martin Martin, which is how they end up being so compatible. But I thought the cast was really good. Um, it was really, really funny. And I, I saw a couple of other faces here and there, which I think I might have recognised. With it being a mostly you know mostly irish cast there's a probably a good chance that one or two people had maybe played a part in like father ted back in the day when they were younger and stuff like that but performances i thought the cast was good really good um really well picked and like you said will fort was the more recognizable face from things like um saturday night live and i started watching nebraska that had bob odenkirk and stuff in it as well my mum and dad watched it i think my mum really enjoyed it but I just started it and I kind of wish that I kept going with it. So I might, I might go back and revisit uh, Nebraska because I kind of liked how it started. And then, I, I don't know, I think I might have had to go out and do something. So I didn't finish the entire film. But I've seen him in lots of different things as small bit parts. Always quite funny, but just sort of small, small wee, small wee bits here and there. But um, really, really good. So now, Christian, it's your manager. Bernard, old friend. We're in the final stages here. It's all been surprisingly easy. I did the incantation to summon the chosen girl, and as if by, well, magic, she arrived. Oh, the book's power is really quite impressive. <laughs> of course, after the sacrifice, I'll send you the new album. Oh, I can't wait to be back on top. Yes, <laughs> we'll get hit songs and money, too. <laughs> it's all on my, uh, my list. No, <laughs> I don't want my legs broken again. I think that's where most people recognise Will Fort. He, like I said, he is the, the most recognisable face in the cast. I have no idea how they managed to get hold of him, other than perhaps he just read the script and, and loved it and had to do it. Like you say, Will Fort is most recognisable for appearances on Saturday Night Live. His appearance in Nebraska certainly is probably the most celebrated in terms of it, it was nominated for a lot of academy awards and didn't really win anything in the end uh, nebraska is a film directed by alexander payne and he also produced films like uh, sideways with paul giamatti so he's very much this kind of slow dry humor already and you've also got from Will Fort's background I mean he's he's a writer he wrote the comedy spoof McGruber which stars right co-stars with Ryan Philippi and Kristen Wiig and he also has a cameo in one of or a, a, a guest appearance in one of my favorite comedies of all time Flight of the Concords where he plays Ben who is the owner of a laundromat and he is an actor on the side 
So when the Concords are wanting to gently let down Murray to kind of say, we have, we've got a record deal, but we're not just going to, at this, you know, at this moment in time, we're not going to sign you. He steps forward and says, well, I could do that. I, I could, I could be Stefan Gucci. But of course, can't let Murray down. And he tells Murray that they do have a record deal, which doesn't exist. And he gives them a secret number that he can use in any bar and club for any amount of alcohol and drink that he wants. <laughs> it's a really nice performance. So I, I always remember Will Fort for that. He's also a well-known voice actor. He does the voice of King Toot in The Simpsons. He's been in Gravity Falls. Very underrated Disney cartoon. Very funny. He's also been in American Dad and The Cleveland Show. So he is our, our biggest name. You mentioned that we've got other people who we recognise as well because you've got people like Jamie Beanish who pops up as, as Brian. And although we don't see Brian until the end, he's very amusing because he's kind of like this fish out of water. He's just dragged into this surreal situation. He's been in Derry Girls. We've also got Claudia Doherty, who's a stand-up comedian. But like Maeve Higgins, Maeve Higgins is a more well-known as a stand-up comic. She appeared in Chris O'Dowd's Moon Boy, which was on Sky One. But Claudia mm. Doherty, she's appeared alongside Amy Schumer in her TV series Inside Amy Schumer. She's also appeared in Amy Schumer's movies as well, notably Trainwreck. People have appeared in things, but never as the main part. Mm -hmm. And definitely the standouts, Maeve Higgins as Rose Dooley puts in such a sweet and endearing and funny performance. Barry Ward, who plays Martin Martin, who, and I have to mention spoilers, we find out that Barry Ward is a conduit, uh, a vessel who can actually take on spirits. So Rose uses Martin Martin as this vessel and that allows Barry Ward to play multiple parts because he takes on an old man. He becomes his ex-wife, Bonnie, and they all have slightly different voices. And it's an incredible kind of like physical performance from him. Yeah, absolutely. Could I ask, have you lost anybody recently? My Tom passed a few months ago. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm not. Prick. Tell me this. Was Tom sort of responsible for the rubbish and the recycling? Oh, yeah. I wonder if he has something to do I mean, with... Tom's behind this? Well, I, I can't say, but... Oh, Tommy! Oh, do you hear me? I put Stew in the green bin of my life! Janet, I'm sorry, please. There's absolutely no need to Tom. worry. I can take care of this. It's a very straightforward procedure, okay? Uh, listen, Rose, where exactly does the ectoplasm come from? It doesn't matter. You, you'll see in a minute. Now, just close your eyes. Okay. Oh, spirit on the road between life and death, I call out to you now. Tom Byrne, my talent compels you to show yourself. Uh. Gillian, is it yourself? Tom, is that you? There's a hi, my love. How are you? Christ almighty, I thought I'd never get rid of you. Now it seems as though I was right. Janet, if you just let me do the spirit talking, because it's actually quite complicated and technical. Oh, who are you, my love? My name is Rose. He's three times your age. Would you look at yourself, dirty old fuck? It's just, if there's a green bin right there, I don't know why you wouldn't just recycle to the green bin. Look at the milk going into the recycling. That's perfect, isn't it? Yeah. No, you don't have to worry about that anymore, all right, Pat? Tom, give me your little hands. 
good man. Now, all restless spirit, untether yourself from this world and let the tide carry you home. <coughs> I don't feel we needed big names in this. No, not at all. No. You know, if, if that had been the case, it could potentially have changed the tone of the entire film because, and I'm glad that you mentioned how Will Fort had been in Flight of the Concords because the, very much the sense of humour throughout the film is that sort of, the way I describe it, a sort of deadpan New Zealand kind of sense of humour because uh, Taika, Taika Waititi's film Hunt for the Wilder People was very much the same what we do in the shadows deadpan serious kind of just sort of s silly ridiculous situations but everyone kind of treating it almost as if it's it's normal kind of thing so I think everyone played the part really well of the just sort of the kind of deadpan you know the deadpan humour and like if, if you do honestly if if anyone's listening to this that enjoys things like Flight of the Concords highly recommend that you watch this film because it's um yeah well it's, it's almost like a hour and a half long irish flight of the concords episode it's just so 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 funny and endearing and there's like ironically it might sound a bit weird me saying this just now especially once we maybe go into the film a bit more but there is a level of innocence to it as well i think changing the cast and having slightly bigger names would probably have changed the tone quite a bit though i really i really loved this film i really enjoyed it it was really good definitely this is a film i think that is going to become cult classic and it's one of these ones that i think when you re-watch it's going to become funnier and actually funnier i always find that if i find myself quoting from a film then that's how one of the main things that I know that I've kind of enjoyed it. At the start of the movie, we very much get introduced to Rosie's dad. And Rosie's dad is Vincent Dooley, who's very much kind of supernatural ghost hunter slash exorcist. And he has all these tutorial videotapes. Not DVDs, VHS. So the idea that he's recording these things from his desk and he's giving advice. We're introduced to him as a character, but we also learn that he is no longer with us. He was, he's been killed in some sort of tragedy that is hanging over Rosie's head. Rose clearly blames herself. We obviously have to give a spoiler warning because we do want people to watch these movies. But you have to remember that with Dugan Pick's podcast... We are talking about the film in detail. We are going to mention things that happen in the ending. We are going to mention favourite parts. We're going to mention quotes. Oh, yeah, we yeah. want to see people who have got opinions. We want people to share opinions in the comment box below. But please watch the stuff before you, you listen. See if you agree with us. See if you can learn new information about, about the films. That's the point of, of this podcast. We're... We're not going out of our way to spoil this for everyone. So where's my button? Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! That was what I came up with last week. So Rose is haunted by the death of her father. She blames herself. He was killed 
by a lorry during an exorcism that went wrong. It was a double exorcism involving a dog and a possessed pothole. <laughs> you can tell by Dude's laughter that, you know, this is what we're doing. The tone of the movie, it's silly, it's daft, it's surreal, and it is... How did you put it? New Zealand humour or... Yeah, New Zealand deadpan humour kind of thing, yeah. It's definitely New Zealand deadpan humour, but also by having Vincent Dooley, we see him through the VHS as this kind of investigator. We have lots of nods to British horror. There's throwback to Hammer Horror, who really started everything off. I mean, one of the most famous supernatural films that Hammer produced starred Christopher Lee, and it was called The Devil Rides Out. And in that, you have very high-class, upper-class people in society who are performing witchcraft in order to get what they want out of life. And Christopher Lee comes in to try and perform a seance that is going to stop these people in their tracks, stop them raising the devil. So it's not difficult to see the connection then between Christian Winter, who is trying to raise a demon, he's trying to perform a virgin sacrifice in order that he can get his musical career back on top because he's he's a one-hit wonder. He is only released Cosmic Woman. Cosmic Woman la 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 Cosmic Woman la 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 Cosmic Woman a Fantastic rendition there if I if I say so myself. I thought so. Yeah that's pretty Through good. This this kind of love letter to classic kind of supernatural films we have ghostbusters they actually say at one point martin martin says well who are we going to mm. call who are you going to call ghostbusters no who are you going to call you're going to call rose dooley <laughs> you have got the exorcist in the exorcist they used pea soup as as a replacement for vomit when martin martin is possessed or he is a mm. vessel he's a conduit i would say he is something that looks a hell of a lot grosser than pea soup to regurgitate oh yeah so if you could explain what happens through these kind of lovely scenes do so basically they're trying to get hold of ectoplasm from seven different spirits rose and martin martin because that's what they need in order to break the virgin sacrifice that's already kind of the, the wheels are already kind of turning so in order to break martin martin's daughter out of this they need the ectoplasm and that's where we see the different performances. So they, they go to people that have contacted Rose on her mobile phone. Oh, it was a, what was it again? It was a Nokia. It was one of the classics. It was a Nokia 3310. And I, that was it. Remind me about that because I do want to mention it. There There is a specific reason for the Nokia 3310. All right. Okay. I look forward to that. So instead of like rose doesn't always get um phone calls concerning driving lessons a lot of them are concerning my green bin is haunted I think my ex-husband's haunting me you know things like that and she then decides when she wants to help martin martin because she's she's very reluctant like she doesn't want to do this anymore because of what happened to her yes. dad which is understandable like she's never forgiven herself for what wasn't really her fault she was literally a child when this happened but she obviously she quite likes martin martin she wants to help him so this is why martin martin needs to become the uh, the vessel for these spirits and once they've kind of made peace or their business is kind of done here 
he then spews up the ectoplasm into the little jars and it's almost i think it's almost exclusively like a sort of pale blue color and it looks revolting like it looks disgusting and I i think i think his performance at throwing up makes it even more difficult to watch because yeah. a lot of struggle, a lot of struggle to watch those parts because of he looked like he was really wretched and it was quite it's 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 funny but it's a bit gross. It's very gross, definitely. He seems to do it differently every time, and his his body just kind of goes into these convulsions, and yeah, he's he's retching, and I know that doesn't sound like something that sounds very appetizing to watch but barry ward genuinely looked both like he was having fun but incredibly grossed out at the same time what i really liked in the film as well as the performances is actually the subtle nods to previous movies so i've already mentioned that we have things like instead of the green pea soup we have this white ectoplasm and ectoplasm people will probably be familiar with that term from ghostbusters because it's ectoplasm that ghosts secrete so when bill murray is slimed by slimer he's covered in that slimy ectoplasm so you've got these kind of phrases popping in you've got these quotes who are you going to call martin martin actually mentions the film The Exorcist, Rose says that she hasn't seen it. He mentions, he says, oh, like in Ghostbusters. And she says, oh, I haven't read it. <laughs> that's that deadpan humour coming in, you know. I got it. We need ectoplasm. It's this type of goo that ghosts leave behind when they move on to the spirit world. Like in Ghostbusters. Oh, I haven't read that. Okay, so to break the spell, we basically have to collect the ectoplasm of seven ghosts and rub that into your daughter's face. It's kind of unnecessarily gross, isn't it? No, it's just like technical paranormal stuff. Of course, it would sound weird to like a layperson. Okay, that, that, that's not so bad. Uh, we just go get some ectoplasm. What I like yeah. is that when she says that, Barry Ward as Martin Martin just smiles at her because there's that innocence, there's that enduring quality yeah. of uh, her character. I was really struck also by the lighting. When Rose arrives at Martin Martin's house, the light from Sarah Dooley, played by Emma Coleman's bedroom, is casting down and lighting up Rose. And that is a replica of the shot of from The Exorcist, when Max von Sydow plays the priest. When he arrives yeah. at the house in The Exorcist, he's lit by the fog. He's lit by the single street light. We have these lovely shots that are recreated mm-hmm. we have sarah dooley is clearly being used in, in the sacrifice she rises above her yep. bed very much like dana does in ghostbusters and we have other lighting techniques as well for the blood moon very very simple they use red filters and they also like to use forefront shots so forefront shots is where you will have somebody very, very close up just at the mm-hmm. edge of the screen and you might see half of their face, but you'll also be focused on someone at the back, okay? And that was pioneered by Brian De Palma yeah. in the 1970s. And again, you've got this idea that we're making this kind of love letter to filmmakers that we like in classic horror. So when I saw stuff like that, I was like, oh my God, that's just so nice because you've got two directors, Mike Hearn and Edna Lohman, that they're making something that 
they truly kind of love that they find funny but it's a throwback to these classic kind of films that I've mentioned before and from there you end up with just a really endearing film that like I said is going to become a cult classic. To go back to the Nokia 3310 now this is actually part of the, the production design so when some films are made they deliberately try to make it non-era specific. This is a term where we recognise things, we recognise maybe fashion designs, mm -hmm. we recognise objects, but we don't necessarily know whether this is a modern setting or whether this is perhaps set in the past. We've got things from the 1980s, we've got things from the 1990s and we've got things from the 2000s. The Nokia 3310 is part of that because nobody in this film uses a really genius smartphone. They're all using Nokia 3310s. When Rose introduces Martin Martin to her father it's via a VHS and it's a portable TV with video player. I actually don't know anybody that still has a, a video player. So you've got these specific little nods through the production design to make it non-era specific. And I really like that because to me it felt like a, a throwback to the 80s as well. I wouldn't be surprised if that's what the directors were kind of going for because we have a lot of nostalgic films and TV shows that are thrown back to the 80s. Stranger Things being the most obvious one. What did you like about the film? it's kind of hard to pick specifics one of my favorite parts of the film was right at the start when rose is giving like a typical driving lesson it's not going too well the person she's teaching obviously knocks over like a metal bollard in front of someone's house and she just tries to make small talk like oh you know are you up to anything later on and the guy's response is i'm actually engaged like he assumes that she's asking him out kind of thing and she like, she shuts it down straight away yes. i think that was not only a very funny joke but probably a really good way of kind of setting the tone of humor for the rest of the for the film it was it's a very simple funny misunderstanding kind of joke but it you know that happens in different variations and different iterations throughout the rest of the film and i really enjoyed that i really enjoyed that just kind of that one off that one off joke like you mentioned earlier the lighting uh, the shots it was all very well shot for a film that's um you know doesn't really have much in the way of a budget as well it doesn't look like it's lacking a budget if that makes sense and that makes perfect sense because i'm i'm really curious to think on such a what we can only describe as a, a minimal budget what did you think of the special effects pretty damn good i've seen really big budget films that had far worse cgi there's not a great deal of it there is not a great deal of it at all apart from the the sort of climax when you know this is it as, as a roth or something like that i can't remember the name of it asteroid 
Astaroth when he's summoned. Like it was it was pretty good, I thought. It was it was pretty well done and you know, used more for comedic effect. You know, it may or may not have been practical. Um but when uh yes. Martin's daughter is getting dragged along by the car, you know, yeah, that was so funny, you know, in yeah. terms of ridiculousness. But Again, it, that might have been, you know, just really well done practical with a bit of CGI. It's it's a bit hard to say, but I thought it was really well done. Yeah, like really well done. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the there was definitely a combination of practical effects, probably wire usage. Yeah. For the for the floating, the floating for me it it looked seamless. Yeah, it was when Sarah was floating inside their household when she was floating during the slow car chase, which. I found incredibly funny. <laughs> I think only this yeah, film could yeah. get away with a slow car chase. Yeah, and it's good that it's good to possibly mention again. You know, we're past the spoiler point. You know, you, everyone, anyone who's listened to this mm-hmm. has been warned. But the reason that there is a slow, quiet, subtle car chase is because if you wake a person up during the virgin sacrifice, they explode or they, you know, they get cut <laughs> in half, and they're it's i know it sounds cruel and it is but it's so it's so ridiculous but there is video footage in one of these vhs tutorials of a goat being possessed or a gloating there's a floating goat uh the goat gets woken up and you see why and you know it's it's both horrible and funny in terms of ridiculousness of what happens to the goat obviously no animals were harmed in the making of this film what's you mary and joseph She's floating. She's floating, Martin. I know. I told you. Rose, what is this? I don't know. I was trying to stay calm down at the door, but um, I'm in the way over my head. I better go. Well, no, Rose, please. Please, I don't have anybody else to turn to. Please. Look at her. Could it be Bonnie? I shouldn't have tried to eat that donut. I push her buttons, you know. Yeah, but I don't think that this is Bonnie. I mean, why would she do this to her own daughter? That's true. She never bothers Sarah. Plus, like, with possession, there's usually more vomiting and funny voices and masturbating with crucifixes and, yeah, you know, that sort of thing, anyway. Like the exorcist? I never met him. Then what is happening? Well, I do have an idea. I really hope I'm wrong. Hello, I'm Vincent Dooley. This week, I'm visiting the O'Callaghan farm in West Cork, investigating... A gloating, gloating. Yeah, a ghost gloating. Right, obviously. Um, Martin, do you think you could kind of be like calm and like, do you remember that cool guy in the car? Just to let you know, this is a satanic ritual. Satanist? Oh my God! Don't tell me I should have had her baptized. This is preparation for a virgin sacrifice. What? Like, bang a goat. Yeah, like some demons are into that, you know, just different strokes, but, um, listen. On the eve of the blood moon, the virgin's body will float to where the spell was originally cast. The blood moon? The, the, the weather woman was on about that. It's a weird lunar eclipse thing. She said it was tomorrow night. <laughs> Sarah! Martin, no! No! No, you can't wake her. Why not? You can never wake a floating ghost. Watch this. Stop! Stop screaming! I'll help you, okay? 
I know that's holding spell. Okay, we've got some herbs. Just be calm. This is going to keep her safe, okay? So that's mainly rowan and sage and that's a holding spell. Do you have any fresh basil and Tabasco? What do they do? Um, we bought this frozen pizza and I was hoping you could kind of pimp it. Starving. But it's a good way of explaining, like, you do not wake up whoever's about to be sacrificed yes. in this ritual because the worst will happen, you know, on top of being sacrificed to a demon or whatever. The slow car chase, again, really, really funny because it, I don't think it messes with pacing. I just think it's one of those really kind of funny, awkward, why is this taking so long? Why, you know, why is it going so slow? And my last, pro probably my last favourite funny part was where uh, Will Fort's character, Christian Wintner, tries to find out what Rose is up to. So he yes. fakes a phone call that he wants a, a driving test, uh, not a driving test, a driving lesson. And he changes his regular leather gloves that he's wearing because it's cold outside into like his driving gloves. And that that bit alone takes up about 30 seconds, which doesn't seem that long. But when you're watching someone take gloves off and put another pair on, 30 seconds feels like an eternity. And it's so funny. So, so funny. I couldn't agree more with the glove scene. It's like watching Alan Partridge. Yeah. Yeah. Because Alan wears driving gloves. And if you actually look at the driving gloves that Christian puts on, they are the same brand as oh, Alan Partridge. Is it the same ones? Oh, it's right. the same brand. And <laughs> it's just a lovely moment. It's slowly, it's slowly executed and brilliant. The driving lesson is very, very funny. It's over... It's over mm -hmm. before you know it, but Will Fort there shows his kind of comic range. The slow putting on of the gloves. The fact that when he's told mm. to push the accelerator, he tries to push it with his hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Rose says, no, use your foot. And he's like, yes, yes, that would make more sense. <laughs> but he's also sitting cross-legged. He's pushing the accelerator and he's not pushing the clutch. <laughs> it's all these little moments that are great when martin is possessed by his wife bonnie bonnie used to smoke so every time bonnie appears a cigarette comes out of martin's mouth and i don't know how they did that i don't know if it was like a, a if it was in his mouth and he just practiced pushing it out or or if it was like a little wire or something yeah but these little moments were gems of the film for me plus when they are they're trying to get the ectoplasm in the jars and one of the hauntings they go to turns out to be a fake haunting but i spotted him out the back going through me veins and how big was this wolfman hard to say but jesus i, I wouldn't mess with him out for blood he was hmm. And you said he had ginger hair? Oh, definitely. I shined a torch on him and his hair was as orange as a... As a, as a An orange? Satsuma. Uh, that kind of colour, you know? Sniffy nose and a sharp fine black. I suppose if you were a red-headed person, you'd become a ginger werewolf. Four legs and a long tail on them too. Mr. Daly, was it a fox? I'd say it was, yeah. It's just a lovely little moment. The hauntings themselves. We have haunted <laughs> chips. We have a haunted deer's head that cries seven up. Seven up, yeah. Yeah. We're not dealing with people that are 
possessed that are masturbating with crucifixes no no you know like like in the exorcist all these things are low-key and they are very very cutting and deadpan everything down to the willy stick oh yeah that shows the way forward to christian to find a new virgin oh oh, the virgin what in god's green undergarments did you do Darling, please be more respectful of my things. 700 years old. Ah. Now, once operational, it always points in the direction of purity. Let me just do a quick incantation to turn it on. To Martin, Martin assessing his woodwork pupils by filling their toast racks with toast, and if it falls apart, <laughs> they don't pass. <laughs> the special effects, I thought, were were very good very seamless the use of the the white sheets i thought was a yeah was a yeah. genius because again you've got a throwback to to beetlejuice mm. when they try and, and 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 haunt the house originally things aren't working and they they yeah. literally put sheets over them and but they're floating so when rose is driving about town the reason that she can tell people who are dead or alive is because they're they're covered in sheets it was a really innocent kind of moment we didn't we don't need blood and guts and gore although i will say that when yep. this film is gory it is very gory and not over the top way it was just a kind of reminder that you know we we can do this and we can still make it make it funny yeah and you've got the the kind of classic nods as well the fact that christian lives in a in a castle you've got that isolated setting absolutely surrounded by this this place that doesn't apparently seem to kind of age and christian christian's a pop star yeah who moved to ireland mainly because he wanted to be exempt for, for tax reasons and that's what a lot of people did in the 80s i found that kind of interesting because uh, i mean i quite like you know my rock and sort of metal music and stuff but when you kind of mentioned this before we started recording i thought ah oh, that kind of makes a lot of sense um, and i do remember and i don't know where from hearing that quite a lot of sort of different artists back in the day used to do that because of with tax exemption or you know tax breaks or whatever so yeah i thought that was quite funny to sort of involve that in the in the plot the main one that i can think of is joseph Locke, who was uh he was a very famous tenor singer and there was a movie made about his life uh, called hear my song which is a, a film four film very very underrated ned Beatty plays the main character joseph Locke, and and he has escaped to ireland to avoid taxis because uh, he just didn't he didn't pay them when he was a performer and again with christian mm. you know he tries to come across as suave and sophisticated. He returned to what he calls the motherland to get inspiration. And then his wife comes in. Yeah, you also didn't want to pay tax. 
He's like, yes, yes, dear, that that too. <laughs> that helps. It's interesting, this film. Because, like I said, for me, there's some great quotes in it, okay? What's going on? I don't have time to explain because Eclipse is happening in a few minutes. We have to exercise his dead wife, Fanny, or else we won't get the extra plasma that we need to save his daughter because otherwise she's going to be ravaged by hell demons. Just explain it there anyway, Rose. Yeah. When they have the seance and Rose is trying to reach Bonnie and she's trying to say that, you know, remember how much you love Martin. And oh, she says, remember yeah, what you yeah. said to Martin on your wedding night. Oh, spirit on the road between life and death, I call out to you. Open now the gate so that the living may speak with the dead. I summon thee hence into this realm. Bonnie Martin of 25 Parkmore Drive. My spirit compels thee to show yourself. Uh, Bonnie? Get the fuck out of my house. Bonnie? Sailor, can I go home? I see what's going on here. You fancy my Martin? No. You just want rid of me so you can get your dirty paws on him. Wedding day. Do you remember what you told him? No, in. It's just so funny when it wants to be. Oh, I know, and that 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 particular quote got me as well. Just, uh, just the sort of confusion and uh, just, just how straight they were with it with that joke as well. I was I was doubled over. <laughs> I was I was so funny, so funny. Yes. To get to some kind of um, film trivia, just for, for those of you that have seen the film, just to get an extra bit of insight into this. The two people who actually drive cars in the movie, Christian is driven around by, chauffeured around by his uh, his wife. And his wife is played, as I said before, by Claudio Doherty. She plays Claudia Winter. She, is, she chauffeurs around Christian because he can't drive. And we've got Rose, who is a driving instructor. Neither Claudio Doherty or Maeve Higgins can actually drive in real life. Will Fort, who is playing someone who can't drive, is actually a very accomplished driver. So it's things like that, you know, that are, you know, a nice touch. So it's quite ironic that Barry Ward goes for driving lessons. He can drive. Will Fort puts his hand on the accelerator. He can actually drive and he gets very confused about the clutch and how things work. So much so that he ends up hitting his head on the steering wheel and has a bleeding nose, but neither of them can actually drive. <laughs> Some people listening will be also familiar with the term, the film term, MacGuffin. Hmm. Uh, a MacGuffin is something that was actually created by Alfred Hitchcock. One of the most famous MacGuffins hmm. is the money in the film cycle. A MacGuffin is something that we are often introduced to at the start of a, of a film and it looks like it's important, it looks like it is crucial to plot keys but it doesn't actually lead us or take us anywhere. In Psycho the main character steals the money from the office that she works at. She ends up at the Bates Motel where she meets Norman and is, is killed. Now, she's stolen the money. The money ends up at the bottom of the swamp with her dead body. 
the movie's all about this robbery, but then it becomes something more. It becomes this film about this horrendous murder and this series of murders committed by Norman Bates. In our film, the ectoplasm actually becomes a MacGuffin itself, and the filmmakers give a, a quite a nice nod to MacGuffins because when Martin Martin expels ectoplasm for the first time, he actually does it into a, a jar, a candle jar, but the label is, is MacGuffin on it. It's MacGuffin's candles. And everybody that watched the films will realise that the ectoplasm actually, we don't need it in the end. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't specifically say why. It's a lovely nod to knowledge of cinema. You've got that from the lighting. You now actually have it. They've, they've physically got a prop that says MacGuffin on it to point us and, and kind of wave it in front of our say, face yep. and say, actually, this isn't important. And <laughs> I think this is why I have to give it four out of five chainsaws. There was only yeah. one thing I was slightly disappointed with, and it was just a, a little thing, which was the ending. When we saw Asterod, he was a giant floating sheet. Mm-hmm. I would have liked it to just maybe scaled that down, because the whole film felt kind of scaled back. So that's the only yep. reason I knocked off one chainsaw. I am four chainsaws out of five. I thoroughly recommend this movie to anybody who likes Flight of the Concords, likes what we do in the shadows, likes Hunt for the Wilder People. I seem to be just naming everything that Taika Waititi's done. Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I was thinking about this, about whether or not this was probably going to get all six Infinity Stones, and I kind of agree with you on the exact same point. I did like the ending. I think I'll probably give it five out of six. Like, it's... I'll, I'll happily rewatch this film, especially if I'm just in the mood for a laugh. Like, I'll definitely seek this film out because it does that so well. And I think the jokes are kind of timeless. Like, they'll just always kind of be funny. And I think the reason that I didn't give it full marks was Rose's sister um, is also at the kind of big finale in the castle um, during the exorcism. And she's pregnant throughout the film. And she go, she goes into labor and gives birth during all the, the sort of uh, last minute end of the film kind of action as it were and I, I don't know they just didn't you know th- things yes. like that kind of just there didn't really seem to be any reason for it yeah like uh, don't get me wrong I mean there was nothing wrong with it it just seemed like something that was kind of tacked on and I know it sounds really I agree yeah yeah uh, and I know it's, it, it so- sort of sounds petty but I mean don't get don't get me wrong it, it, she does a really good job she's really funny but apart from just occasionally counselling Rose about her love life and what she's been up to, I'm not really sure her sister really needed to be in the film. She didn't really contribute a great deal more. She was funny when she was in it, but it, like that almost seemed like like it was all kind of sort of tacked on and it kind of mm. threw me a little bit. The ending as well, as funny as it is, it was kind of weird, I thought. I mean, it made... It sort of made sense in a sort of weird way, but there wasn't a really a great deal of lead up to that kind of humor at the end, if that makes sense. It's not that it was crude. It was just kind of like, all right, funny, but not the same kind of funny that we've seen up to that point. And it's, it's a little bit more kind yes. of weird, you know, straight up weird humor rather than kind of awkward, funny, endearing kind of weird. It was just kind of like, yes, what the hell? <laughs> but, you know, it, it, 
it was part of the story as well, so I reckon that's probably why I'd give it five out of six. Infinity Stones not not don't mm. doesn't quite have the Soul Stone. I think that's a good point. I wouldn't say that you're being petty. I think that as the weeks are progressing, I mean, this is our third podcast now. We still haven't actually awarded. I haven't awarded five out of five chainsaws. You've not given six out of six. We are being critical at the same time, and mm. it is just lacking something in that in that final set piece. But I will happily seek this movie out again because I think that mm. it is destined for that cult status. Oh yeah, it's almost like yeah. it's earned it straight away. But even things that are cult, they they're not perfect. I think it's actually going to be more interesting because one of us might give full marks or something and the other person might completely disagree. It, we've just kind of locked out with our, our film choices. I found it interesting when I was looking at the reviews for this that our film last mm-hmm. week, Knives Out, had a 97% score on Rotten Tomatoes. So does this. I was pleasantly surprised. I, w- I would agree with Rotten Tomatoes on this. Like I really like The things I don't like about this film are very minor and don't really have a great impact but they are still there but it's yeah just really really funny empire they gave it four out of five and they said that it's the conjuring by way of the cornetto trilogy Mm -hmm. anybody unfamiliar with the cornetto trilogy we're dealing with Shaun of the dead hot fuzz and world's end so simon pegg nick frost edgar wright cornetto trilogy there's little ordinary about extraordinary an unfalteringly funny ectoplasm drenched horror comedy that deserves the cult status it's destined for couldn't agree more with empire and me and empire even with my subscription we do not always see eye to eye yeah that that pretty much sums up everything probably we've talked talked about up to this point it pretty pretty much hits the the nail on the head um i mean den of geek said in contention for this year's best comedy i mean i don't watch a great deal of comedies i'm very picky when it comes to comedies i I mean i found it absolutely hysterical like i really thought it was a very funny film start to finish so yeah i wouldn't be surprised if it did get that i agree with that as well because i have a big problem with with comedies in the past recent years because comedies have gotten longer in their runtime. Comedies are now coming in at two hours, two hours, ten minutes, and they feel dragged out. Yeah. I'm not the greatest fan of Paul Feige, who directed things like mm. Bridesmaids and stuff, and, and they have their audience, and I know they have their moments, but I always watch his movies, and I sit there thinking the same thing. I think this is just going on and on, and I just kind of want it to end. And it's because they're they're 40 minutes too long. This is a movie that comes in an hour and a half. Comedies need to... If I think of classic comedies, they they always Mm. hit that kind of runtime. I mean, that's that's the attention span of the average cinema goer. Now, I'm not saying that I don't like three-hour epics, but for a comedy, my attention waves if it goes on for too long. My attention did not waver in mm-hmm. this film. So to say it's in contention for the year's best comedy, totally agree with that. I think no. it ticks the boxes and it's aware of its audience and its runtime in a way 
where comedy for me has lost that and it's hard now to make a decent comedy i actually found that when i watched thor ragnarok i felt that that was one of the funniest films i had seen in recent years yeah yeah. Mainly, it is directed by Taika Waititi. He needs to give us major kudos for all the compliments we're giving him. But that was one of the funniest films that I'd seen. Now, people would mm-hmm. not label yeah, that yeah. perhaps a, a comedy. I would. I would oh, say I would. it's a comedy first and a superhero movie second. Action buddy and comedy. It's very difficult to make a comedy. Extraordinary is charm, a gem of a movie. To, to use a term that we used at Blockbuster, we would call it a sleeper hit. Oh, okay. It's a film that comes in out of nowhere, and while it might not financially be a hit, it's a hit with audiences. A bit like Anchorman. I seem to remember that doing not overly well when it came out in cinema, but over time, people yeah. caught on to how funny it was as time went on, and well, Anchorman's Anchorman. Everyone knows at least three or four quotes minimum from Anchorman. Incredible cult film, incredible humour. Anchorman is one of my favourite comedies. I don't think there's a week that goes by where I'm not quoting at least something from Anchorman or even something popping into my head. If it's Jack Black kicking a dog off a bridge (laughs) or if it is a quote from Brick. Oh yeah. I ate a big red candle. (laughs) I love lamp. I, I love lamp. Brick, are you really saying you love lamp? Or do you genuinely love the lamp? I love lamp. <laughs> and my personal favourite from, from Paul Rudd. It's got uh, real bits of panther in it. So you know it's good. <laughs> oh, sex, sex panther. panther. I'm sure that you could actually... I don't think it smells as bad as they suggest in the film, but Sex Panther was actually like a an aftershave or a cologne that you could buy. Okay, that's your mission for next week. To find it. To find Sex Panther. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I'll, I can do that. I'll uh, I'll adhere to the challenge. I can. Well, Google's an amazing tool. I'm sure I'll be able to find it pretty quick. <laughs> um, Being a an Irish film, uh, have you got anything for? That's, that's came out from from the Irish audiences what they think of this yeah well we seem to have managed to get a couple the Irish Times gave the film 3 out of 5 stars and praised Higgins for her performance but they suggested that the film might have been overstuffed I'm not 100% sure I would agree with that it didn't no I wouldn't the plot wasn't overly convoluted there wasn't sort of side stories really going on I mean even the one that I personally felt was tacked on didn't really take anything away from the main narrative mm-hmm. I wouldn't have agreed with that. I mean, I wouldn't agree with three out of five either. I mean, de- a s- strong four, if no. not five. But yeah, I, I, I find that a bit of an odd critique, really. I find it ironic critiquing other critiques. It's not light in terms of content, <laughs> in terms of story or anything, but it's not. it doesn't have too many things crammed in either, personally. I wouldn't. I wouldn't quite agree with Irish Times. So. It's interesting that they praise Higgins for her performance. Yeah. I want to see more of Maeve Higgins. I think that she is. Oh yeah. A standout, absolute standout. She deserves to be in in more of this kind of thing. This dry humor. Yeah, absolutely. I think that she is a face that is going to do well out of out of this film. Oh yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, totally agree. Um, what did the Irish Independent? say about it the irish independent they were similar to the irish times they also gave it three out of five they said it was uh, just as bonkers on screen as it is on paper but 
it eventually stretches itself beyond breaking point, bearing all the hallmarks of a surreal comedy sketch that got out of hand. I think that is very harsh. If the That's a bit unfair, if yeah. the previous one said it was overstuffed, this is essentially saying the same thing. This is saying that it's overstretched. I don't think this is a, a one-gag film that goes on for 90 minutes. This is no. a deeply layered and very clever film. It is, it is fully aware yeah. of the genre that it's poking fun at. It's got enough nods that are recognisable mm-hmm. to fans of supernatural films, to fans of comedy. It has something, I think, for, for everyone. Mm-hmm. I defy people to find major problems with this or not sit, not sit down on a Sunday evening and stick this on and not be charmed by it. It's a charming film. It is. That's probably one of the better ways to describe it as a whole. And I'm just looking at the reviews, I'm trying to figure out what it is they might be referring to specifically because that is that's both of them saying roughly the you know the same you know they both roughly had the same issue with it but I I, I don't see it. They're not they're not specific enough. Not really um, no. I mean it could be similar to to what you felt about the ending sequence. Maybe. Why is this is this there? Do we really need the sister? Do we really need the pregnancy? Yeah. Is it adding anything? Maybe that's what they're saying about is this a step too far? Yeah. Is this a joke too far? Without getting the specifics, then it's it's difficult to tell, but I do feel that they're perhaps being overly harsh. It's interesting that, that that's that's obviously the Irish critiques that are coming out, whereas all the others when we're looking at, you mm. know, more of a kind of worldwide response, they are incredibly positive. Yeah. One of one of the reviews called it a tea cozy ghostbusters that's a lovely way to look at it oh yeah that was a variety wasn't it that was variety yes yeah extraordinary is a kind of tea cozy ghostbusters that is that's consistently funny in a pleasingly off kilter way that's pretty bang on so yeah maybe maybe there's something that we're missing here i can't say that i've personally watched a great deal of irish films maybe there's a slightly different format and pacing or how much story is involved in typically irish made films maybe this maybe extraordinary just translates better to worldwide audiences like you mentioned earlier worldwide audiences Mm -hmm. Because of things like the pacing, the amount of things that, you know, the amount of story there is to it, the characters and stuff like that. I don't know. We, we might be missing a trick there. Would you like to see a sequel? I think I would. It's always difficult because this is quite... To go back to Anchorman, Anchorman 1, super funny. Anchorman 2, for me, it didn't need to be made. I, I don't think anyone was asking for it. It had really funny moments. Definitely. But agree, yeah. you could tell that it was... It was bordering on being more of a cash grab than anything else. I think it was definitely a, a cash grab. I personally could not watch Anchorman for a while after seeing Anchorman 2. Now, yeah. An- Anchorman is one of my favourite comedies. Absolutely filled with comic masterstrokes. Mm-hmm. Anchorman 2 took Anchorman and just repeated and repeated and repeated to death. And I just got really angry. And I had to have a break. I, I could not watch yeah. Anchorman without being reminded of Anchorman 2 
being reminded mm. how disappointed I was and how unnecessary it was to have that sequel. I'm glad that I just completely now ignore Anchorman 2. I pretend like it doesn't exist. I just watched the original. I finally got over it. Sounds weird, you know. People probably have other things in their life, but coming <laughs> from a from a movie geek, it was a dagger to the heart. I'm I'm finally over it. Good. I th- you know what? I wouldn't I wouldn't be against the idea of a sequel to this. I'm not a hundred percent sure what they would do because the film kind of ends. It's it's a bit of a happy ending, a bit of a funny happy ending. Mm-hmm. The way that it that that it ends, but it is. I don't know. I think for me. And I'm not a writer by any stretch. Like, I don't even pretend to be a writer in any way. But it's kind of nice as its own one-off story. Like, just as its one kind of thing. If there was any other films like this made, not necessarily about driving instructors that can speak to the dead, but, you know, that level of silly ridiculousness with the sort of deadpan humour, if any more of that was churned out by the sort of same production team, I'd happily give it the time of day i would happily give it a watch but as for an actual sequel i'm not 100 percent sure i wouldn't be a, like i said i wouldn't be against watching it but i just i'm not 100 percent sure what they would do with it do you think that like what do we do in the shadows that it could translate to tv rather than i think it sequel? could yeah that's a very good idea because i was quite skeptical when I heard it was being turned into a TV series. But then when I heard that it was essentially the same people making it and it was this different group of vampires, just sort of similar format of kind of like fly in the wall documentary, but on Staten Island um, instead of set in New Zealand, you know, think, you know, they changed a couple of bits and pieces and then it turns out that it's from the same universe. Yeah. I think that, I think that could probably work quite well that, I don't know, maybe Rose and Martin do just go about exercising odd things about the, the local area in Ireland. Um, I don't think they ever... They don't ever specifically say where they are, do they? Like, where in Ireland? No, they don't. It's non-specific. So it's... Right. That's the big thing that comes out of the production design. So mm. we don't know where we are. We don't know when we are. Yeah. And that can, can be quite a good thing as well in terms of production because it makes it more universal. This could be happening mm-hmm. over over in your area or whatever. I want to leave it where it is. Yeah. I think that sequels can be problematic. They can be very difficult. And you could be flogging a dead horse. It could be a one-trick pony. I'm trying yes. to get as many cliches in as I can here. <laughs> We're milking a dead cow. So there could be a problem with that. Depends on the quality of the writing. We know that the writing is good, but can they sh- could they stretch it to a sequel? I personally think that Netflix oh, yeah. could be yeah. onto something if they were to pick up maybe six 20-minute episodes. Keep it mm. small. Keep it paranormal investigation. Yeah, Actually, yeah. have them investigating a wolfman. Have them investigating different things. Mix it up. And that potentially could be something great like yep. what we do in the shadows i think to, to do anything else would be problematic and could be detrimental to the film itself no i totally agree i totally agree what would you suggest as similar films so you know if you if you're trying to convince someone to see this what would you say to them you know this is this is what it's similar to. This is kind of in the same kind of vein. Because it's so endearing, because it's so lovely, 
and Innocent. I'm going to go with Ghost Town, which came out in 2008 and was directed by David Coop. It stars Ricky Gervais as a dentist who can see and communicate with spirits who have been unable to move on due to some reason. Ghost Town did not perform well at the box office. The reviews were between three and two stars. Very underrated movie in my opinion. It's sweet, it's very funny, it's led by a fantastic performance by Ricky Gervais and also a really nice coupling of him with Tia Leone. Uh, Tia Leone is one of these actresses that has appeared in things and you recognise her face. She was in Bad Boys, she was in Spanglish with Adam Sandler and she is mourning the death of her husband who's played by Greg Kinnear who's one of the spirits that Ricky Gervais can see and the banter between them, the two those two characters, is great but then when you're, you're watching Ricky Gervais and Tia Leone get closer you're watching them almost kind of like fall in love because you know he's not he's not a likeable character in it he becomes incredibly likeable he is supposed to be dislikable he's very self-centered mm -hmm. but through seeing the ghosts through helping them he discovers who he really is ghost town has that deadpan but surreal humor that this film has not gory it feels like a 1950s comedy hmm. it goes at its own pace ah okay when it's funny it's very very funny but it's got great characterization and i said this in one of our podcasts previously that i'm always drawn to great characters and great writing and even though it was unfairly slated at the time ah. i would recommend people revisit ghost town because again it's it's a, it's a little gem of a movie brilliant give that a watch actually that sounds pretty good you've uh, you've sold it to me what about yourself what what do you think is similar or what would you rec recommend people either watch or perhaps even revisit probably well definitely ghostbusters and most likely the exorcist because if you see if you rewatch these films maybe ghostbusters are having a bit more of a comedic theme but when you watch things like ghostbusters and the exorcist when you then go to watch extraordinary you'll you'll enjoy the the jokes and the nods like the the shot of rose outside martin's house when she goes to try and exercise so so funny because of how well the shot has been replicated yes. from the exorcist it was so it's so, so simple it is so simple and it's very effective in terms of just being funny um, and also just contributing to the overall story and theme so yeah definitely exorcist and ghostbusters as well with that absolutely stellar cast of uh, bill murray and dan Aykroyd, uh, sigourney weaver Harold Ramis. I mean, yes, it's actually made me want to go watch Ghostbusters. <laughs> I need to dig it out. So, yeah. I've been slimed. <laughs> Normally, when we come to the the conclusion of our of our podcast, it's always good to kind of end on a quote. Before we before I get to that, if people are continuing to listen, or perhaps if you're listening for the first time, I'll try and encourage you to subscribe uh, even like comment below give us any feedback if there's anything you're wanting us to perhaps review or, or talk about then then please do so and also tell your friends if you've been, if you've enjoyed listening to, to pick and digs because during a time during 
lockdown, COVID-19, mm-hmm. uncertainty. We just want to share our love of movies and banter and just go from there. I don't have any shout outs this week to any new podcast that I've been listening to. I have been listening to a lot more stand-up comedy via Apple Music and I've been revisiting the stand-up comedy of Steve Martin and I cannot recommend that enough. Again, you've got a very absurdist, surrealist. Mm -hmm. I think this seems to be the theme this week. So Steve Martin's comedy in the 70s, it was surreal. It was surrealism. (laughs) And we needed that at that kind of time. I say we, I was born in the 80s. Uh, <laughs> I recommend if you've got if you've got Apple Music, then type in Steve Martin. He's also a very accomplished banjo player, so there oh, yeah, are much. albums where he does just play the banjo on. Again, very soothing, very relaxing. But his comedy, without a doubt, that's that's my shout out. That's my recommendation for this week. I'm kind of with you actually. I've not really listened to any more new podcasts. Um, I've recently. I haven't listened to them in a while because they're usually my go-to driving podcast, but I listened to a bit more of the Stuff You Should Know episode on P.T. Barnum, which is, as always, is just super interesting because, well, it's Stuff You Should Know. It's always interesting what they come up with, even if it's a subject matter you've uh, you've never even thought about before. There's a good chance that you'll have a listen to the episode and you'll enjoy it. I think you've also got a book recommendation as well. Yeah, I, I suppose... It's a big recommendation of sorts. Um, slight, very quick background. A couple of years ago, my partner got me a, a metal a metal bookmark, so sturdy. And it's 50 books to read before you die. So I'm kind of going through the, the 50 books you're supposed to read before you die. And I'm currently uh, working my way through The Fellowship of the Ring. Never read it. Loved the films. I've read The Hobbit, but I never went through the actual Lord of the Rings books. So I'm currently getting towards the end of the fellowship. So I'm just prompting anyone that enjoys a good read. If there's any classics or any sort of well-recommended books, or if you just fancy something maybe a bit different from what you're normally reading. Well, the reason the Lord of the Rings got made in a three hour film and it was accepted so well is because the source material was spot on um, and the book is really, really good. So uh, yeah, if you haven't read it already, Fellowship of the Ring. Excellent. You know me, Doug. I like to end on a quote. I I have a quote that I will I will end the podcast on that I have I have taken from this film. Do you have a a quote? It doesn't have to be from this film. Just something that you'd like to end in this session on. You know what? I bet your so I bet your quotation is probably going to be better. So I'll just finish with an Anchorman one since we since he's the most quotable film and we mentioned it a few times. So. You stay classy, San Diego. Oh, oh, that is a lovely choice. So, and you, and you stay classy, dude. <laughs> I am going to channel Rosie's dad from Extraordinary, <laughs> and I'm going to channel Vincent Dooley. Okay, so okay for anybody that has watched the film, kind of things that we've talked about possessions. There's odd things that can get possessed in this film: toasters, bins. A random tree branch but you know you have to pay attention to ghosts so what i would like to say is later in this episode do you ever have nightmares after eating cheese you might have eaten a ghost even the weakest ghost can possess cheese quite easily due to the living bacteria in the cheese what is a ghost well 
They were once just like us. <laughs> Until next time, I bid you adieu and don't eat any ghosts. No ghost cheese. No ghost cheese. Until next time, bye bye. Bye bye. Sweet thing, my cosmic woman, and I sing love.